801 on a Tuesday. Happy Tuesday, everybody. Halford Bruff, Sportsnet 650. Halford and Bruff of the Morning is brought to you by the Delari family of Acura dealers. Experience the Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari Acura dealer today. Hour three of the program is now underway. We're going to be joined by uh, former Seahawks linebacking great KJ Wright in just a minute here. Hour three of this program is brought to you by Campbell and Pound Real Estate Appraisers. Trust the expertise of Campbell and Pound. Visit them on the internet at Campbell dashpound.com today. Finally, Jason, tell the fine folks about Kintech. Well, we're coming to you live from the Kintech studio, Kintech Footwear and Orthotics, Canada's favorite orthotics provider, supported by over 2,500 five-star Google reviews. Find your perfect fit at kintech.net. To the phone lines we go. Very happy to be joined by our next guest. One of our favorites is longtime Seahawks fans, one of the best linebackers to ever play for the team. KJ Wright joins us now on the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. Good morning, KJ. How are you? Good morning, fellas. Doing well. How are you guys doing? Yeah, we're great, although I don't think any of us are doing as well as Geno Smith is at the moment. For those that are just tuning in and might not be aware, Geno Smith was rewarded for being the NFL's Comeback Player of the Year yesterday. A three-year deal, $105 million for Geno Smith, which is, I can't think of a guy that deserved it and earned it more off that season. 40 million fully guaranteed. What was your reaction, KJ, when you saw the news? I was just so happy for Gino. Just being his teammate, watching his story, seeing what happened when he was at the New York Jets, becoming a starter this season, having a phenomenal, phenomenal year, Pro Bowl quarterback, led his team to the playoffs. I mean, you could not write a better story for Gino Smith and for him to get this contract to set himself up for generations to come was just it was just beautiful to see for me. And so he's just getting started. He did it for one year. Hey, Gino, let's go out there and do it again, man. Let's see if he can see this entire three years of this contract. And so I know the entire Seattle fan base is happy. I know his teammates are happy. And so um, you got your contract. Let's go back to work. What do you remember about when he first came aboard with the team? Because it was in 2019. You were then obviously still a very active member of the Seattle Seahawks. I know you guys were on opposite sides of the ball and – everything like that. And I know that Gino didn't play a lot because Russell Wilson got literally every single snap. But when Gino first came to the organization, he was at a low point in his career. He's even said he wasn't sure that how much longer he was going to be in the league. So what do you remember from those early days when Gino first came aboard in Seattle? He was very quiet. Gino was a, he was a guy that was quiet in the locker room, didn't say much. You could see that he was always, you could see his routine, though. You could see that he did come in the building early. You did say, you did see when I faced him in two minutes, I'm like, okay, Gino has, Gino has a little something to him. And so he's always been a phenomenal teammate. And so when he first got, when he got his opportunity, when Russell left, then I would go in the building, I would ask the coaches, ask the teammates, hey, how's Gino doing? They was like, he is, gra- he is grabbing this team and he is leading them. To, to, to a phenomenal year this year. And so just to see the season he put together, came in, learned from Russell, learned from Coach Carroll. When he's got his opportunity, he took full advantage of it. KJ, with Geno Smith signed and assured of coming back for at least next season, might now be the perfect time for the Seahawks to draft the quarterback of the future? They got the fifth overall pick. There are some pretty intriguing names in the draft. We don't know if they're going to be picking in the top five or the top ten uh, in the next few years. You've got Geno Smith under contract. You wouldn't have to force a rookie quarterback into a bad situation. The offensive line could, could continue to grow. Could you see the Seahawks using that fifth overall pick 
to take a quarterback. And here's, here's the thing, guys. These quarterbacks, when I look at these quarterbacks, these guys could come in right now and play. And so I don't want to see I don't want to see a situation where this rookie quarterback comes in and he looks better than Geno Smith. But um, I know the Seahawks' mindset, just talking to them over the years, whoever is the best player available at that spot, that's, what, that's the direction that they're going to go. And so they're not going to just overreach for a guy and um, just, you know, if they need an offensive lineman, they're not just going to overreach for someone that they don't want to necessarily take. And so if a quarterback is there, if their guy is there, whether it's Bryce Young, whether it's Levis, whether it's C.J. Stroud, you best believe that they will pull the trigger on that guy. And so it's going to be very interesting to see how this all plays out. We know that there's trades involved, guys trade back, guys trade up. But if their guy is right there, I believe they could potentially take a quarterback. You know, Anthony Richardson is a name that a lot of people are talking about based on his performance at the NFL Combine. And I was actually watching some of the Combine over the weekend and just marveling at some of the athleticism of these players. Mm-hmm. Um, what was your experience at the NFL Combine like? It was it was okay. <laughs> I know I was facing my real big-time decision because I tweaked my back like two days before the Combine, two days before I had to run my 40. And so I was faced with the decision, hey, KJ, do you choose to run at the Combine or do you say, hey, I'm hurt and you wait until pro day? And so um, I sucked it up. I ran a slow 475, but I had to live with those results. And so um, I was, you know, going into to that, to that you know, situation, having meetings with the coaches, getting interviewed by the scouts and the GMs. It was a very intense situation. And so um, it was definitely fun, but I didn't quite perform the way that I wanted to, hence why I went in the fourth round. What's the difference between a great athlete and a great player? Because I imagine you're seeing a lot of great athletes at this NFL combine, and and I suppose that might be the debate about a guy like Anthony Richardson. He's a great athlete, for sure, 100%. We all know that. Mm -hmm. Look at what he's doing. Look how high he can jump. Look how fast he can run. But is he a great player? Right, and and like you said, when you see great athletes, I believe that general managers and coaches believe that they could take these skill sets, this explosiveness, this speed, this big-time arm, and they could put their player in a position on the football field to be successful. But I believe what the combine does not measure is guys' it factor. They don't, they don't see guys in pressured situations. They don't see guys' football IQ. And so I do believe that great athletes can transfer onto the football field. But if you do not have the it factor, if you do not have that substance in you to win, times are hard. The game is on the line. We need a play. Then you necessarily won't transfer onto the football field. And so when you look at the combine, guys, it's just information. This is just a baseline of their athleticism. But, hey, let's go back to the football film. Let's see how this guy turns it on when the, when, on, on Saturdays to see if he could be a phenomenal football player on Sundays. We're speaking to former Seattle Seahawks linebacker K.J. Wright here on the Halford & Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. K.J., it was an interesting day for you yesterday because not one, but two of your Florida quarterbacking teammates got big, big deals and a lot of money paid. So the last year of your career you spent in Las Vegas, you were teammates with Derek Carr. He is now a member of the New Orleans Saints. Uh, terms were not officially disclosed yesterday, but it could potentially be worth – 150 million for Derek Carr. Now, he's an interesting guy because he's been a pro bowler four times. He helped the Raiders make the playoffs twice, but the way that it ended in Las Vegas was kind of acrimonious and very weird. 
again, I'll ask you to go into the Wayback Machine. It wasn't that long ago, but what are your memories yeah. of Derek Carr as a teammate, and how do you think he'll do in New Orleans? Phenomenal teammate, phenomenal guy, excellent guy in the, excellent guy in the locker room. My thing with Derek Carr is that when he's on, he is phenomenal. He looks like a top-ten quarterback, uses athleticism well, has a beautiful deep ball, um, just, just finds a way to get you a win in a two-minute drill. But when Derek Carr is bad, which is kind of, which is a little bit too often for me, <clears throat> it's a disaster. You just look at the decision-making that he makes. Some games she just goes in there, can't complete um, a, a, a pass to save his life. And um, I just look at his career. Ten years in the NFL, zero playoff wins. He only played in one playoff game. He didn't play in the first playoff game. And so my question to the New Orleans Saints is, what are you, what are you paying for? What are you, what are you seeing in Derek Carr's career to say that we're going to invest in this guy for the next four years at this price tag when he's shown you what he's put together? And so I love the dude. I respect the guy. But um, I just look at these quarterbacks, and I just believe that you don't necessarily have to overpay for a guy before you can just build around him. Okay, keep building other pieces. Add to your offensive line. Add to your defensive line. And put in a quarterback that could potentially manage a game like we saw with what the Niners did with Brock Purdy, who, who almost made it to the Super Bowl. And so I love Derek. I'm happy for him. But from a business standpoint, it was kind of confusing to me. See, that's really interesting to me because when I hear Derek Carr speak and I watch him and I like the personality and the leadership abilities I think are great like I, I I'm actually really fond of the guy personality wise just based on everything that I've seen and read about him but then you have to kind of marry that or I guess maybe divorce it in terms of the on-field play and the amount that I mean the biggest issue is the amount that he turns the ball over he throws way too many interceptions mm-hmm. and it was a real issue in Vegas I guess the big question is will a change of scenery make the difference or at the age it is is Derek Carr kind of is what Derek Carr is you are you are who you are at this standpoint and I love leadership I love guys that could get guys fired up but at the end of the day I love winning more than anything I love success and I love the bottom line and getting championships and you know getting you know to AFC to title games and so I look at Derek Carr he has to fix himself you know Dennis Allen can't come in there and say hey I want you to do this I want you to do that Derek Carr has to look in the mirror. Derek Carr has to be the one that makes those decisions on the football field to say, hey, enough is enough. I got to be a guy that can control the game. I can be explosive, but I cannot put my team in a bad situation with the amount of turnovers that I produce, you know, essentially my entire career. And so I'm looking forward to see him grow. A, a change of scenery is phenomenal for him. He's going to fit in well with that fan base, with, the, with his teammates. And so we'll see how he looks this year. We're talking NFL with former Seahawk KJ Wright on the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. Uh, KJ, um, your old quarterback in Seattle, Russell Wilson, has a new head coach in Sean Payton, and I'm reading about their situation, and there are reports that it might be a quote-unquote one-year audition between for, for Russell Wilson with Sean Payton, and if it doesn't go well, uh, the Broncos could very well cut ties with Russell Wilson, although there would be like significant salary cap consequences for that, mm-hmm. uh, it just went so badly last season. Um, could Sean, do you think Sean Payton could be the answer for Russell Wilson? I, I, I do, and you see, these, these are two really big personalities, two big egos that are going to be faced, you know, in that same building over there in Denver. And so, when I look at Sean Payton, 
I need for Sean to do the the, the total opposite of what Hackett did with, with Russell last year. Do not put Russell in shotgun and think he's going to dink and dunk a team and you're going to have a successful season. Get Russell Wilson under center. Get Russell Wilson a run game. Get Russell Wilson to play action so he can get back. You need to get, get Russell behind the offensive lineman so he can see downfield and use his, utilize his weapons. And so um, Russell, I do believe, is going to have a comeback season. He's better than what we saw last year. Last year, was it was it was a disaster. He is way better than that. And so I know the make of him. Um, I know his character. I know his heart, how much he loves the game. And so I'm fully expecting for Russell Wilson to have a phenomenal year um, this season. Based on what you just said and your evaluation of the Broncos last year, how much of their struggles fall on Hackett's shoulders? A lot, a lot. And when you look at coaches, it is a coach's responsibility. It is a coach's job to put his players in the best position possible to succeed on the football field, right? You don't want to take a K.J. Wright, you know, for example. You don't want to isolate me on a running back that, that's running 4-4. That's just, you know, I can, I can do it, but it's just not in the best interest of the team to do certain things. When I look at what Hackett did with Russell, he did not use Russell's strength to the best of his ability. Russell is not that type of guy that we saw with that style of offense. And so, yes, it does follow him. Yes, he went into the season and tried to fix or tried to create a new Russell Wilson. This man is 33 years old. He's not going to just change like that. And so utilize his strength. I need Sean Payton to go back and watch film on what Russell did great when he was in Seattle and um, get him back to the drawing board. Hey, KJ, do you talk to Bobby Wagner at all these days? Is he going to come back to the Seahawks? There's someone texting into our show going, ask KJ if Bobby Wagner should come back to the Seahawks. I kind of want to know about that too. Uh, I talked to Bobby all the time. I was with him what two days ago, and Bobby's going. He's going to look at everything. He's going to go through this free agency journey, see what's out there. I believe that it makes all the sense in the world for Seattle to bring him back. I just look at our linebacker unit, Cody Barton. We'll see where he goes. Jordan Brooks coming off ACL, and there's literally no one else um, in that linebacker room. And so the fan base loves Bobby. Bobby is still playing at a very, very high level. Just had 140 tackles. Um, six sacks, two interceptions. I think it's a no-brainer for Seattle to bring him back. And so he would be, you know, he would love to come back, but we have to see if Seattle has a salary cap to make it happen for him. Was Bobby hurt that the Seahawks cut ties with him? No. What was that? People said that. I thought, yeah, yeah. People, people were. Well, I, I thought I uh, wasn't it reported that that Bobby Wagner was a little, little put off with the way it ended in Seattle. That oh, it, I thought you were talking about hurt as an injured. No, 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 no. His feelings, his feelings hurt. I mean, just just think about it, guys. I mean, that the the VMAC was Bobby's home for a decade. Mm. He, he that was his place, and the way that he found out about his departure. It didn't come from Seattle first. He wanted to hear it first from the horse's mouth. Hey, we're going to cut ties with you. And I asked him, hey, how did it go with the Rams? Did they let you know? He was like, they called me. They were direct. They were blunt. They said, hey, we're, we're going to just move on. He didn't get that in Seattle. And so um, it's, it's, it sucks business-wise. The communication has never been the greatest in that building. But, um, yeah, he, he, felt, he felt slighted. He felt a little disrespected. But um, I do believe that um, as time went on, it's all good. You saw when you saw Coach Carroll and saw John Snyder 
when they came and played the Rams, it was all love. So I do, I do believe that everything is okay. I love that at 32 years old and he's played over a decade in the NFL, he decides to go out and put up a career high in sacks. Like that to me is a, <laughs> it's a definition of how good he is, but also that he's got a lot left in the tank. I imagine there's going to be a ton of teams that are going to be interested in him. I, I, I agree. And just look at him. Him getting cut again is just extra motivation for him. I mean, the man has done everything under the football sun. Football sun. For him to get cut in back-to-back years, you best believe that he's on a mission to reprove himself. Like, Bob, you don't have anything to prove to us. He's on a mission to reprove to himself and reprove to the NFL, I am a first ballot Hall of Fame linebacker. How dare you guys disrespect me and say salary cap. Go somewhere else you want to save some money on the books and so i know he's going to be on a mission this year uh, he's going to come in obviously in shape obviously uh, ready to roll and so we'll see where he ends up uh kj this was awesome man uh it's always great getting you on the show let's try and do this again as we get closer to the start of next season yes sir sounds good thank you fellas thank you kj we appreciate it. that's kj Wright, uh one of the best seattle seahawks linebackers of all time here on the halford and bruff show on sportsnet 650 the bobby i don't think wagner's gonna come back mm-hmm. i just think that sometimes when you move on you move on like, I, like the nostalgia is great and getting the band back together and they're everything. writing about it a lot in seattle i know but i feel like they need to invest in that position with guys that they're gonna have draft picks for the long term yeah, yeah like you're gonna bring wagner back i bet bobby wagner could put up a really really productive season in Seattle next year. I mean, he's coming off. He had 140 tackles and six sacks last year. He was one of the best defensive players in the NFL last year. He was great. And he did it on a team that had nothing to play for. And he was out there like he was a gamer all year. Do you know how fascinating this NFL draft is going to be? It is going to be awesome because you've got Anthony Richardson, who are some people are saying his performance at the combine, like, does that make him a number one pick potential? Yep. You've got all these other quarterbacks in the mix, C.J. Stroud, Bryce Young, and then you've also got this story with Jalen Carter mm-hmm. um, out of Georgia who's run into some issues off the field. Now, some people wondered if he could be the first overall pick. Now you're wondering if he's going to drop all the way to – I saw an NFL mock draft the other day that had him at number seven. Like there are so many potential ways this could play out. Not to mention that Houston screwed themselves by winning a game in the final game of the of the season. They should have had the first overall pick, but they fell to the second overall pick. Chicago's got the first overall pick. So is Chicago going to trade that pick? And is someone going to take a quarterback with that pick? There's so much at play. Houston screwing itself over was bad for Houston, but was great for the NFL draft. Because if Houston's got the number one overall pick, it's a layup. They're taking a quarterback. End of story. They're taking a quarterback. Chicago sitting there. Like I was reading uh, the NBC NBC Sports most recent mock draft. And they have the Bears not trading down once, but twice. Right. So they that's what makes this draft really intriguing, is that Chicago holds so many of the cards that Chicago doesn't need to go out and use that pick on a quarterback. They can really alter the landscape. It'll almost be like draft day, but like a good movie. Here's a text. Seahawks re-signing Geno. They should draft Anthony Richardson with the fifth pick. Yes, I may be reading too much into the combine and athletic articles and the hype around him. LOL. Schneider. Anthony Richardson is the type of guy that like, you he's probably not ready to start in the NFL, 
but he wouldn't need to if the Seahawks have Geno Smith. Schneider said at the combine, this was prior to signing Geno, that regardless of what they do, if they do extend Geno, which they did, it won't have any impact on Mm. whether or not they'll use one of their two first-round picks on a quarterback. Now He knows they might not be in this position again in the next little while with with a top-five pick and them still needing a quarterback of the future. Geno Smith is the quarterback for the next year, two, or three. That's it. They still need to find that guy. And we all know that in order to become a Super Bowl champion, for the most part, you need to find that guy at quarterback. But for the Seahawks, this draft isn't just about the fifth overall pick. It's the enormous amount of draft capital they have at the early stages. of. They have the fifth, the 20th they have, and they have two second-round picks. Mm -hmm. Now, remember, in the NFL, NFL, second-round picks are stepping straight into your starting lineup often and are making immediate impacts, right? I mean, I understand that. Everyone understands the first-rounder, but look, go back at the most recently completed NFL draft in 2022. There were a lot of guys that got picked high mid second round that stepped in and were immediate contributors Mm -hmm. to their teams. So you're talking about the Seahawks. If they don't go project at quarterback with, you're talking about potentially adding three or four starters onto your team in the first two rounds of the draft. That is a huge, huge turnaround. Will they go that route? It remains to be seen. Don't forget Schneider historically has been a trade back guy. They, they're one of those organizations that thinks they can mine value later on in drafts. They find their guys. Pete's always had this affinity mm-hmm. for getting guys out of the Pac-12 late, and he's done it again. And they're coming off a really good draft. So I don't know what they're going to do, but I, I agree with you. I think it's going to be fascinating. Uh, send in your what we learns into the Dunbar Lumber text line at 650-650. Dunbar Lumber with three stores to serve you in Ladner on Bridge Street. Dunbar Lumber Express at Ladner Center or Butis in Vancouver. Online at DunbarLumber.com. Be sure to include the ticket emoji if you want to be entered into the competition for Canucks tickets. We're giving away tickets to tomorrow's game against the Anaheim Ducks at Rogers Arena. So we got lots of time to read your what we learned on the other side of the Halford and Bruff show on Sportsnet 650. Talking all Canucks all the time. It's Canucks Talk with Jamie Dodd and Thomas Drance. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. my favorite part of the show. Well, that's a talk to the audience. Oh, God, this is always dead. 8.30 on a Tuesday. Happy Tuesday, everybody. Halford Bruff, Sportsnet 650. Halford and Bruff of the Morning is brought to you by the Delari family of Acura dealers. Experience the Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari Acura dealer today. Hour three of the program, we're halfway through it. Brought to you by Campbell and Pound Real Estate Appraisers. Trust the expertise of Campbell and Pound. Visit them on the internet at campbell-pound.com today. I think we're all bypassing our what we learns, right? We're going straight to the humanoids, or did you have something you wanted to nope. do? No, I have a quick important one, but we don't have to spend too much time on it. I just okay. want to – I learned – I can't believe I didn't already know this. I should have had it circled on my wall. Uh, today is National Cereal Day. What? National Cereal Day. You're only just finding out about this now? I know. I can't believe I didn't know that. Uh, but a, a texter pointed it out to me. I'm like, oh, my goodness. I'm embarrassed. You're right. Hey, Andy, uh, do you know the cereal I bought at Costco yesterday? Was it cream of wheat? No, it, was, <laughs> it wasn't. It was, an, it was an oldie but a goodie from my childhood. All right. A little Harvest Crunch. Harvest Crunch? Harvest Crunch. I looked at it, and I was like, 
yes, today is the day that I'm going to try Harvest Crunch again. How was it? I always get very into it, and then I'm off it. Like, I get, I'm like, I'll I'll be two weeks of intense Harvest Crunch, and then even the thought of Harvest Crunch turns my stomach after that. (laughs) If you could could only eat one cereal for the rest of your life, what would it be? Not Harvest Crunch. Not Harvest Crunch, no. If you had to just pick one. Uh, God, I don't know. Does it have to? Uh, we, we, oh, you know what I really like? That's it's. I think it's minimally healthy. Alpen. Okay. Yeah. 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 Are you it's, ninety? It's sweet uh, enough. Alpen. Well, you're talking about eating it for the rest of your yeah. life, right? Yeah, so that's the can't... trick. See, that's that's what that, that's what screws people up because yeah. instinctively you're like, oh, I'm gonna pick the best sugary cereal ever. <laughs> right. You'll get sick of sugary cereal after a while. I'd probably go with the the whole grain Cheerios. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Not bad. Yeah. I'd pick raisin bran. Raisin, yeah, that's a good one. That's a, what's that's your harvest regular? What's too. your harvest yeah. crunch flavor? <laughs> exactly, it, there's I, different variations. There was a, there was only one option at Costco. It was the plain one. Oh, I like yeah. the maple one. That's, there was that's dust flavored, I believe. <laughs> dust <laughs> now with more dust. <laughs> here's a here's a radio show that says we're not going to spend too much time on this. Now let's go over all the flavors of harvest crunch. We haven't asked Laddie. What would you pick? Maple harvest crunch. <laughs> no, like if you could only eat one cereal for the rest of your life. Oh, jeez. Cinnamon Toast Crunch? I don't know. It's too, oh, it's too sugary. Yeah. I'm not a cereal guy. I'm not, I'm not a cereal guy. What am I going to do? I pick ones Wilford, that are flavorful. Well, that's, that's, an, that's an Andy answer. Wilford Cinnamon Brimley is worried for your well, health. I'm not eating it every day. Diabetes. You are eating it like almost every day. Is that the, the question? I mean, yeah. I eat it every day. For the rest of your life. Oh, jeez. Um, Cheerios then. Yeah. All right. That's Harvest all. Crunch was like the OG granola, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, you guys. All right. Okay. All right. Do you want to talk about sparkling water? That's another thing. We, I, I was. You went off. I didn't really go off. I've, been, I've. Here's the thing. I can't believe people got excited about this. Okay. They're so encouraging you to do it more. I don't. I don't tweet very often. These like, I just don't like it. Mm-hmm. Plain and simple. I find it like boring. I'll, I like reading it. I don't like actually tweeting. Right? You yeah. get, you yeah, get yeah. dunked on too often. So yeah. You don't. You don't do I guess. I don't know. Anyway. Uh. So I just kind of doesn't threw, take criticism well. Just. Uh. It's not even, okay. We're we're losing focus. Shockingly. Uh, so anyway, I'd spent the majority of last night's Canucks game uh, discussing a, a passion of mine, which is the 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 bounty, the multitude of sparkling waters that we You don't drink sparkling water, though, I've noticed. You're more uh, of a still water guy. Yeah, I'm a still water guy. Yeah. It's free. I it, refuse it to pay for water. And I, we and have I, great water here. And I respect that because mm-hmm. that is a very important thing to bring up. We have some of the best drinking water in the world the, here. The boy had a meltdown the other day because I wouldn't buy him a bottle of water out of the uh, – we were at a hockey rink, and he wanted – there was right. a – what do you call it, A vending machine, oh. and he wanted bottled water. I was like, there is a water fountain right yeah, there. You see that tap meltdown. over there? Yeah. Go, go put your mouth on the tap. <laughs> you can have perfectly all the water. sanitary. I need it all the time as a child. That's yeah. the extra minerals that that bottle of water is going to I was give like, you. I have turned into my dad. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> I can't go through the entire list. All I got to say is the peach honey aha is the, uh, as I put on Twitter, the undisputed goat. Of, of sparkling water? Of sparkling water. It's the best. Uh, okay, let's go to the listeners here, finally. Finally. Uh, Jake in Richmond, what we learned, Oliver Ekman Larson is that coworker that you look forward to their days off. This defense looks 10 times better with him out of the lineup. A little bit mean from Jake and <laughs> Richmond, but uh, I can't say I disagree. And it, you know, it begs the question, what are they going to do with OEL? Even Patrick Alvin came out and said, hasn't been good enough this year. We're going to work with him. Are you going to work with him or are you just going to cut ties with him? We both think he's getting bought out this summer, right? I think that. Yeah, but I'm not. Conv- I'm certainly not convinced. But if I had to, if I had to bet, I think yes. And the clue that I might be mis- misreading or looking too much into 
is when Alvin was talking about the internal discussions that they've had that have led him to being comfortable about the Canucks solving their cap issues. He did say, well, there are some external discussions too, but the internal discussions, wouldn't that center around buyouts? Like those are the types of discussions that you had. Can we buy this guy out? Yeah. You don't need to discuss any other you know, with any other team whether or not you're going to buy out Oliver Ekman Larson, and which is why we also need to monitor Oliver Ekman's Oliver Ekman Larson's health because as Drantz um, brought up with us, he's like, this guy's not healthy right now, and you cannot sure. buy out a player that's um, injured. So congratulations to Jake and Richmond who will be going to the Canucks game tomorrow to not watch Oliver Ekman Larson. That's true. Um, okay. This is, uh, we have a lot of what we learns around this and they all sort of center around the late season push, which we've seen countless times. What we learned unsigned. So it must be from Gary. The annual late season push for the 10th overall pick (laughs) is on along with the annual discussion about how next year is the year. Next year is the year though. They better make the playoffs next year or else. But unsigned texter, you know what the difference is? This next year is different. The difference is the difference. It's a different year. It might be the same script. It might be the same strategy. It might be the same approach. But the difference is that it's different. Uh, Jeff, with a what we learned, and he sounds very excited about this. He sent it in multiple times. Okay. Kuzmenko's shooting at a 26.4% rate. It actually fell a little bit. I think he's at 257 Mm-hmm. Um, best ever since Cam Neely thus far. Yeah, yeah, Cam Neely had a shooting percentage of 27.03 wow. for the Boston Bruins back in 93-94 when he scored 50 goals in 49 games. I remember that season well. Yes. Here's the thing. Jeff is sounding really excited about this. Like, wow, what a great <laughs> finisher. I automatically think, wow, he's due for a regression. That's house of negativity, but also house of reality. But look at Cam Neely. His next season after that, his shooting percentage fell from 27% to 15%, and he went from 50 goals to 27 goals. Right. So I think what we need to do here is collectively, and I know this is a very big task for Canucks Nation, especially Canucks Twitter, is to show some emotional maturity. When the inevitable regression happens, Andy, I'm looking to you. Kuzmenko's probably not going to shoot it at a 25% clip. Wrong. Okay. There goes the emotional maturity part. I was so He's going to do better next year. 35, 35%. <laughs> He's shooting 50%. He took nine shots. Um, Sat and Bick were talking about they went through even deeper metrics on mm-hmm. the, where the shots were coming from. And he has something completely egregious with – uh, deflections and tips from within 10 feet. Yeah. Like, he's at close to 100%. And I think that a lot of them, remember those ones? Well, that, he's not at 100% anymore because UC Soros. <laughs> yeah, that's right. But Broke that streak with that incredible save off him yesterday. But there was, remember the ones where Pedersen was feeding him at the side of the net and, like, it, literally anyone could have put it in? He had a couple of them early in the year on the power play, I think. Uh, those really juice the numbers. They, they grease the stats as it was. Uh, Dan, with what we learned, after nothing during COVID, concerts are making a huge comeback. Too many big concerts coming to town this year. I can't afford it. Big concerts. So we just had the, we just ran the ad for Snoop, Wiz Khalifa, Warren G, Too Short. Uh, that's a pretty dynamite lineup. We got to go to that. Yeah, me and Too Short have a lot in common. 
You guys big Wiz Khalifa fans? Uh, he's the one guy I, I, I take or leave. Does he just play black and yellow? like just Repeatedly. Repeat? Yeah. Like... <laughs> when he's in Pittsburgh, yeah. yeah. 27 <laughs> minutes of just that song. You guys want to hear black and yellow again? Okay. Yeah. yeah. Play that same song. And then uh, what was the other big concert that's coming? Weren't we doing a giveaway for the Guns other one? Guns N' Roses. Guns N' Roses, right. Well, yeah. Cold Coldplay is coming later, I think. I did not know that. Cold yeah, I bet cold... Coldplay, like you make fun of me, Coldplay no, would be it, a great show. I have seen them live. They are incredible, insanely right? good live. Yeah, yes, I think I'm going to try and live. go. I didn't get tickets. It's only 500 bucks. You know what? Might <laughs> what? be worth it. <laughs> they're very expensive. Well, I don't, they're expensive. I was yeah. looking the other day. It's like... I think it was 280 or something all in. It was pricey. Mm. There are certain acts that when it's the big arena acts, there's only a handful that transcend music to get to that level. Yeah. It's like you can like Elton John. Yes. Putting 60 to 70,000 people in. That there. was incredible. You know what I mean? Yeah. But that's And it was a great Elton show. John, it was right? a great show. Yeah. The Killers are really good at that actually. Yeah. The big anthem rock. I heard Roger the Killers, Waters. Beca- the Killers yeah. played Stanley Park and it's like next to my house, so oh. I, li- I I heard them for free. <laughs> Couldn't see them, but they sounded good. Uh, Gary, middle name Gary Garrison, yep. with what we learned, the BC Lions are really leaning into this CFL 2.0 stuff after signing fullback John Levi Cruz of Germany. He has spent the last two seasons with the Hamburg Sea Devils. I know them. You read all of that rather skeptically. That was pretty Yeah, funny. no, I did hear they signed some guy out of Germany. I didn't know yep. <laughs> who he played for. Uh, it's oh, the, the Hamburg, Hamburg Sea Devils. The European Football League, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um I guess kudos to Randy Ambrosi. CFL 2.0 is is working. Saved the league. What we learned. Except for Montreal. Unsigned text. No, it's actually for Mark, who's going to the Canucks game tomorrow. Okay. What we learned, if the Canucks had fired Boudreaux when the whole fire Boudreaux thing started and hired Tockett, they would currently be a few points out of a playoff spot and battling that time wasted harpooned the season. I don't. I agree with the sentiment. I don't know if I agree with the timing, and I'm not sure that uh, even if Talkett had had, I mean, I guess if he had had the entire off season and training camp, he could have undone some of it. But I will, I will, I will always want to know what was the defining reason for why Bruce Boudreaux was back this season. Because he's making are, the sign with his hands. He's making the money sign. No, I'm making the. I'm making the money. The sign. two sign because I think there's two reasons. Number one, they weren't allowed to fire him. Yep. Because they would have had to pay something for him to go away, and then the Canucks would have been fire- hiring or paying three coaches, including Travis Green and whoever took over. Uh, number two, uh, they were scared to fire him because yeah. he was so popular. What if they had fired Bruce Boudreaux, brought in, quote-unquote, their guy, and then their guy had cratered? Yeah, it was awful. Any- People were like, why did you fire Bruce? Yeah, They were in a very tough position. The Canucks started what oh five and one, right? Could you imagine? What, I would have. What a great science experiment if Boudreaux does what he does and starts the season oh five and one. When the Taka came in and did the exact same oh, thing, boy, that would have been. Could so you have imagined great. they would have got? It would have been apoplectic this market. Uh, here's Sparky. No, Spanky. Sorry, we, we were talking about this earlier. Well, we got a Sparky too. Hey, you mix that one up. Spanky's my younger brother. Yeah, <laughs> I'm Sparky. <laughs> Spanky. Uh, Spanky from Pender Island. Hashtag WWL. What we learned. Security at Rogers Arena has become lax, in all caps. How could they let that kid in with a banana? That does bring a very pressing question to the forefront. So last night, prior to the Canucks game, mm-hmm. a bunch of kids had signs up on the glass during the pregame skate, the warm-up, saying, hey, Kuzmenko, I'll trade you your stick for a banana. Because Kuzmenko, of course, kind of went viral a couple yeah. weeks ago when he ate a banana and drank a Pepsi on the bench during a game. The real question is, how does a banana 
get into Rogers Arena. Now, I'm just, here's the thing. You know when you go through the metal detector? If you took a banana out of your pocket and just slid it, Right, and then picked it up and started talking on it like it was a phone. Right, yeah. I'd say it's like, thir- yeah, thirty percent of the security guards would be like, eh, "Fine, they don't pay me. 30, they don't pay me enough to deal with it." Thirty percent of the security guards would be like, "That's a nice phone." Yeah, guys got to say no outside phone. He's got one of those Nokia bananas. <laughs> Jeff, check it out. He's got banana phone. <laughs> Patrick Johnson walks. So heard maybe, about that. so maybe that's how. I don't know. Or he just hid it in his pocket. Not that big. Uh, I, three guesses on which member of the Halbro family. Hello. Uh, put <laughs> is that a banana in your pocket? Uh, three guesses, listeners. Which member of the Halbro family immediately texted how excited he was about Kuzmenko and the banana for a stick trade? Any guesses? Any guesses? Yeah, Any obviously guesses? Andy. <laughs> Very excited. He was so happy. It was some just some like- guy tried to pass him his firstborn. It was crazy. <laughs> tried to pass him a baby for the stick. What we learned, Gino Smith, uh, Gino's uh, heartwarming success story of a man who overcame the adversity of being a longtime New York Jet should inspire all of the young Canucks that they too can go out there and achieve. Yeah, just not with the Canucks or just not with the Jets. I love the thought of Gino going back to the Jets, by the way. But they're probably going to go Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, that's not – well, because he's going to stay with Seattle now. But um, really interesting – there's not many guys in the history of football that have quarterbacked the Jets and the Giants. Like, it's funny, for a while there, Gino, despite not really doing anything of significance on the field, was a major talking point in all the New York tabloids. Because remember, he was obviously um, a high pick of the Jets, and they had pretty high hopes for him, given where they took him in the draft. But remember, when he went to the Giants, he was the guy that had to go in after they had that very public and awkward benching of Eli Manning. Mm-hmm. And then they went back to Eli because they're like, we're doing this wrong. Like, this isn't. So Gino. This isn't going well. The fans are pretty angry. So when you consider all the wild stuff that he went on in the early stages of career, like, I don't get, I am pretty cynical at heart now. I don't really get too caught up in the heartwarming sports stories anymore. But this Mm. is a really good one. Yeah, it is. Nobody expected that last year. And I give him a ton of credit. Like, he balled out. He played really well. But also, I think he showed things that people didn't think he could do, too. Exactly. He threw some absolute dimes. He didn't go out there and just manage a game to death, right? Mm -hmm. Like, he, I was like, damn, like, Gino can spin it. Like, he was dropping him in a bucket from 50 to 60 yards, right? I mean, that also came with him making more mistakes, though. Especially late in the season. He made some some bad mistakes. Sure. It wasn't perfect. But I, I, I just think for where he was in his career... Very unlikely, and like good on him, man, for being able to do that because it's pretty cool. Uh, cheating in Surrey, what we learned. I learned there is no team better in the NHL over the past decade than the Canucks at winning games when there is zero pressure and the team is 20 points out of the playoffs. Yeah. That's when the Canucks wake up, man. When they're in the when they're in the big hole, they got a big they got to dig the hole first, and then they and then they they, they get out of that and they just barely miss the playoffs. You tell me there was no draft. pressure to win that Leafs game. There was. There's a lot of pressure there. Come on. On, on Toronto, yeah. <laughs> what 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 <laughs> pressure was there on the Canucks to win that game? Rick Tockett called their their Stanley Cup. He oh, did. come on. Did the Canucks win the Stanley Cup and I missed it? <laughs> they did. Yeah. They were, oh, man, I knew this was going to happen. The Canucks win, finally win the Stanley Cup and I wasn't there. I was at the rugby. God, what a that's dumb. Tockett went into the room afterwards. He's like, guys, I know that was the Stanley Cup. I have some disappointment for you. <laughs> We're not actually. There's nothing here it's other not than here. two meaningless points in the stands. Kuzmenko just chugging champagne. Yeah. Where'd you even get yeah, that? Yeah. Got I it with said, my banana supply. I smuggled it in with the banana right through security. They didn't even look so, at me. So 
I've been reading about that. Uh, you know, the Lions signed that German football guy. So I'm reading about that league. I, l- I pulled it up when you the guys European started. Football League. You said he played for the Hamburg Sea Devils for the last two years. Yep. Let's go. The league's two years old. Okay. Oh, <laughs> and oh, that makes sense. Heartbreaking. He's lost in the championship game two years in a row to the Frankfurt Galaxy and the Vienna Vikings. There you go. Oh, okay. Good, good research, Thank Laddie. You. Well done. Uh, I got, Jeff, oh, sorry. I got one here if you Je- want to. Jeff the Lumberjack from Langley. Nice. There are a lot of Lumberjacks in Langley. Uh, it's alliteration. Yeah. Langley Lumberjacks. Uh, it's a good sports team name. The Leafs are in trouble after losing their new addition, Ryan O'Reilly, to long-term injury. Yeah, he's got a broken finger. Is that is that the report? And he's on – so he's on LTIR. Yep. Which means this, the quickest he could return is the end of this month. So, in theory, they can get him back in Toronto for a few games before the playoffs start. But I'm sensing some just unease in Toronto about a number of things. First of all, the goaltending question is very much out there, but also. How is this team going to come together for the playoffs? Maybe a little bit too much roster churn there. And this was the big – I think O'Reilly, without question, is the biggest piece of all of this, right? Sure, yeah. I, I know McCabe and everything else. But uh, for me, this is going to be – I know they're downplaying like Keith's like he'll be back before the playoffs. That's fine. The Felino experiment, I saw some people hearkening uh, back to that, where he missed some time after being acquired, if I'm not mistaken, and yeah, never really found his yeah. groove. Mm-hmm. And they said this is the worst possible thing because you need O'Reilly to work. And you need to find the combinations that are going to work, too, because yeah. there's still the, all these questions out there. Is O'Reilly going to be the second-line center, and that allows John Tavares to go to the wing, where his lack of speed... Mm-hmm. Isn't such an issue, or do you keep Tavares as the center and you have Ryan O'Reilly as your three C, which I think everyone imagined when that trade went down. They'd be like, "Oh wow, they're going to Boston Matthews, John Tavares, Ryan O'Reilly down the middle." They needed time to experiment and to find the best combinations and to find who had chemistry with who, and now they're not going to have that. Uh, this one is from TJ, and he says TJ is from S M H. I don't know what that acronym stands for. I don't know. Surrey Memorial Hospital. Oh, that was quick. You pulled that one out. All right, TJ, you can write back. I don't know. I don't know if it is though. Uh, TJ writes, "What we learned." Hashtag WWL. Rick Tockett will be the one to guide JT Miller to channel his passion into a true leader for this team. A big hit and a fight from a veteran leader gets the boys going in a way the fourth liner. Can't. Well, I've got a related what we learned from Rob and Carisdale. Okay. What we learned: Cole Smith's jaw isn't as solid as his chirping. Yeah, JT Miller. He filled him in. Caught him. And also, like, JT Miller was the one who got attacked. Like, JT Miller's gloves were off second, and it wasn't looking good in the first two seconds of the fight. And then JT Miller hung in there and threw a couple roundhouse rights that found their mark. Low-key thing to keep an eye on last three games moving forward. Three games, three fights, three really decisive moments from the Canucks. Mm-hmm. So you got Burroughs KOing Duhame. Which was a punch. That buckled Duhame. Uh Myers lays out Tavares. Then it was McCabe that jumped in, right? And it was just a wrestling match, but like good on Myers. That was a that was a good signature moment there. And then <laughs> Miller just popped Smith yesterday. I mean, it was I think Smith probably got a little unlucky there because it looked like he was almost stumbling back a bit. He got clipped from behind in the scrum that was going on, but Miller made no mistake. Like he's like, Ooh, there's an opening. And then pow, pow 
Um, and a kisser. A bunch of people correcting you. SMH shaking my head is what the text No, I know. No, that's, no, no, it wasn't. No. It was like from T- It was SMH. TJ in SMH yeah. or something like from that. From SMH. He's always what from? Know, shake my head? I know, yeah. what SMH, SMH. I know what SMH means, but this yeah. is obviously a location thing. Yeah. Not no. some internet shorthand. We're, we're down with the internet jargon. <laughs> now, we need okay? to, now I need to know what this is. OMG, Andy. I L M A O at that. LOL. Yeah. But yeah, if someone could tell us where. SMHs, that'd be great. TJ, you're from there, so you let us know. <laughs> One guy insulted that it's uh, lumberjacks. It's actually loggers. Oh, so is that a thing? We can't call them lumberjacks. It's loggers now. Oh, I didn't know they're that. They're not actually. jacked anymore. Yeah. Why is lumberjack insult to logger? I don't know. Oh, maybe it's like, what about the lumberjills? Is that it's it? It's not politically correct anymore. I don't know. I'm not sure. Aaron in South Van, let's not go down the uh, too late the politically correct <laughs> way late, to bro. say. I don't logger. think I don't know if it's a politically correct thing. <laughs> Can you imagine if it is? It's shaking the industry. Halford yeah. in trouble. Uh, I am a logger. <laughs> I'm getting not can- a lumberjack. I'm getting canceled for being ignorant now. I what? didn't know. Why'd you get canceled? They called him lumberjack. Yeah. You what? You yeah. called him a lumberjack? You deserve to be canceled. Uh, Aaron in South Van, what we learned, going to a Canucks game solo isn't that bad. Nobody wanted to go with me last night versus the Preds, so I treated myself. I wonder if Aaron went and got a ticket at the arena or did he have two tickets and nobody wanted to go with him, so he just put his feet up on the seat next. Sounds like he went and got a solo ticket. Have you ever gone to a game solo before? Not a Canucks game, but I've been to I've been in places like on family vacations just when I've been like, I need to get out of here. Fair. Do you know what I went and saw by myself once? An Arizona State basketball game. I mean, it's cool. There was everyone was all the students were on on Christmas break because it was. So I was like, I'm gonna go because I wanted to go walk around the campus. It's and then nice there was campus. a basketball game. And Security I was, like, was eyeing him all night. <laughs> yeah, I was like, what is <laughs> who this is this guy? Creepy guy. To, I wanted to go down to Arizona State campus. Thunderman Why? Campus. Yeah. <laughs> you come by yourself, sir. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it was like they were playing like Pepperdine or something. I was like. Oh, this is a good matchup. I've never. I should. I would like to go. You know what? I got to make that. I've never eaten a meal by myself in a restaurant. I can't believe that. And honestly. I've never. Um, what? And I've, I've, Get no. out and live life. You've never eaten a meal by yourself, like a sit-down restaurant. Yeah, like a like, fancy one. No, just Alfred is the type that brings like a blow-up doll with <laughs> him just to put it there. It's like I'm not by myself. Who's your friend there, champ? Uh, she's not taking questions right now. <laughs> she looks very surprised, though, doesn't she? Yeah. Okay, we got to go. It's 8.54, and the music is a play. And it's been a fun show. We'll be back tomorrow to do it all over again. But for now, we got to go. Signing off, I have been Mike Halford. He's been Jason Bruff. He's been A-Dog. He's been Laddie. This has been the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650.